0: Um, My name's Tim and I am a compulsive overeater. Grateful to be here today. Uh, I've been in recovery for, well, as of this month, uh, April 22nd, I'll have 34 years in recovery, uh, 30 years a member of OA. So I've been around for a little while. And uh, truly grateful to be a compulsive overeater today because it's brought so many wonderful things into my life. Um, and it talks about my experience, uh, or what what I like to do is talk about the way it was, what happened, and the way it is today, and I'd much rather talk about the way it is today, but I think it's important to uh, let you all know that I I am definitely, there's no question in my mind, a compulsive overeater. I, I have been a compulsive overeater, long before I realized I was a compulsive reader from my earliest memories. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm told that when I was two years old, I would steal my little brother's, uh, his milk bottle. And, um, you know, and I don't know if I was getting attention or if I was hungry or what. But uh, anyways, in my earliest memory is that I was a, uh, an overweight kid. And, uh, um, or back then I would call it a fat kid. And, um, so, uh, and, uh, because of my weight issues, um, I hated myself. You know, I didn't like being that way because I was, uh, teased about it and, uh, made me different than other kids and, um, uh, just, um, uh, uh, made it so that I hated being me and, uh, You know, one of my most painful memories of early childhood or during childhood was uh, when a group of girls were teasing each other. And one of them said, oh, you like Timmy. And the one that she said that to was like, oh, no, not Timmy. And, um, you know, that um, hurt quite a bit. And, um, you know, um, in eighth grade, my parents put me on um, Metro Cal, which uh, is a weight loss type thing. And I lost uh, some weight and um, I did my first geographic cure uh, for high school that uh, I had the opportunity to go into the seminary um, to study, become a priest uh, my freshman year of high school. And um, I took that mainly because I saw it as a way of uh, possibly losing weight because I figured if I went there that they would only give me what everybody else got and you know I I wouldn't have an opportunity to uh, uh, maintain my weight and uh, also um, just uh, it was appealing to me to be going to an all-boys school that uh, guys I knew didn't care if you were fat or not and um, you know at least I wouldn't have to deal with, uh, girls being repelled by me. And so, um, anyways, um, so I went there and I found out that I I worked around the, uh, thing of, uh, uh, not being able to control what I had to eat that, uh, turned out that, you know, the students had to help work around the school, uh, maintaining things, et cetera. And, um, I naturally ended up in the kitchen. And uh, so once I was in the kitchen, then I had access to the bakery and then I had access to all kinds of goodies. And uh, so I maintained my overweight state uh, through high school. So my geographic cure didn't work. And besides that, uh, as I've learned that um, the person I hate the most, I was stuck with i went wherever i went and uh i couldn't get rid of me and uh, i also uh from early childhood thought about killing myself you know that it's suicidal ideations and um, you know it's uh but in, in other ways you know i i had a, i i was lucky to be born into a family that uh was a loving family even though uh I I don't know if it was my addiction or not, but, you know, that I had this negative attitude towards my family that, you know, that I wasn't loved enough. And, um, you know, recovery has helped me reframe my childhood. But uh, anyways, so, um, and then uh, I, after uh, finishing high school, uh, I wanted to continue with the, the seminary. Uh, for different reasons, um, but uh, part of it was that it, they uh, would send us to Illinois, where the drinking age was 18, and I thought that would be a lot of fun to be able to drink at eight, age 18, and that's when I discovered alcohol, and, um, you know, started, uh, so I went there, and um, I, I started using uh, alcohol as a way of medicating, and also way of uh, losing weight, that um, I uh, lost 30 pounds at age 18. And just to also show how uh, my weight affected my affected me physically that when I I lost that 30 pounds, and I grew six inches at age 18. So uh, my weight had been holding me back as far as my growth spurt goes. And uh, um, so um, I uh, did that, and then I dropped out of the seminary, and I continued living in Chicago. Um, and um, I, my sophomore year, I took 32 hours of classes and only got credit for about 15 hours because I was partying so much. And then my parents wanted me to come closer to home so I, I, went, I I'm originally from Indiana so anyways I did that and uh there I've discovered uh the world of drugs and uh so I, I used the drugs and alcohol as a way to control my weight and stay um as close to uh, normal weight as I, I I have my as far as just my early years and uh anyways uh, so that I, I was able to start dating and, um, uh, I, um, uh, got married to my wife, my first wife. I've been married three times. And, um, we were, um, uh, part, part of another major defect to character I had was people pleasing. Uh, I got married to my, uh, first wife, uh, people pleasing that, um, uh, I was being transferred from Louisville, Kentucky to Bloomington, Indiana. We were talking about if we could do a long distance relationship and I uh I said to her, "Well, what do you want to do? Get married?" and she was like, "Oh, yes." And I was like, "Oh, no." And uh anyways, I ended up marrying her. So um and uh, that relationship lasted 7 years, but uh and then um I uh met my second wife and hmm, I'm having problems with my video. Um, anyways, my second wife, um, uh, uh, the thing that I found appealing about her was that she, um, uh, had this peace and tranquility about her. And, um, so I started dating her and then I realized that, uh, the reason why she had this peace and tranquility was because she was in recovery. And, um, so I started going to a, every once in a while we would go to an AA meeting. She didn't, um, rarely went to meetings, but to pick up a token or whatever. But the thing that got me was that I felt, I felt like I'm comfortable there. And, uh, so anyways, uh, I, um, you know, it, anyways, both of us ended up relapsing. And um, then I decided to get sober. And uh, I started going to meetings on about 10, 11 meetings a week and um, trying to get her to also get uh, sober. But she didn't, ended up not getting sober. And uh, we ended up splitting up. She went home to her parents who said that they would keep her from drinking. And uh, she went to the to, the, to her parents and started drinking right away and um, anyways but it got me into uh, recovery and I'm so very grateful for that that uh, I, I feel like God gave me a window of opportunity and thank goodness I fell in through that window and, and took it and um, so um, I, I started working program recovery and I met my third wife uh, at an AA meeting thank you I see that Heidi. Thank you. And um, anyways, that uh, uh, we met and uh, started dating and uh, started living together. And um, about after a few years, uh, she had a six-year-old son, and he had his sweets around the house. And the way I controlled my weight before that was by not having, allowing myself to have any of my binge foods in the house when I was living single. And then with his uh, having his snack foods, et cetera, I started putting on weight. And uh, Diane's Diane's my third wife, uh, her best friend was going to OA and had lost 40 pounds. And I thought, well, you know, maybe this is another window of opportunity my higher power is giving me. So I started going to OA. And uh, my very first OA meeting, I I went and there was a... um, Person there that was an alcoholic and compulsive overeater from Florida. I've never seen him since, but um, he said, you know, at that meeting that sugar is sweet, but liquor is quicker, and that just it just made me. I, I knew I was in the right place. That you know, because that's exactly the way I felt. So I started going to Hawaii. I lost weight there but I was just basically doing the food plan and that was it. And, um, shortly after that, and, and during this period, I, I started feeling better about myself, but, um, uh, it, uh, I, I still didn't, I, I still hated myself. And anyways, um, um, shortly after that, my mom passed away and I went into what I call my deep, dark depression. And, um, I was thinking about committing suicide and I decided to commit suicide. And I started thinking about different ways I could do it. And I kept ruling out the different ways. And um, finally I realized that I didn't have enough guts to kill myself. And it was like, well, if I can't kill myself, the first thought was, well, what am I going to do? And uh, the next thought was, I might as well be fucking happy, and the next thought was, well, if I'm going to be fucking happy, what, what can I do to do that? And I decided to throw myself into a program of recovery, uh, and uh, so that's why I did. I said uh, when I was in that deep dark depression, I quit going to meetings and stuff, and so then I started going to meetings on a re- regular basis. Uh, I s- started uh, studying the history of a uh, just I just wanted to find out where the steps came from etc and understand that and also I started sponsoring people and, and it turned things around when I first got into recovery they said let us love you until you learn to love yourself and I I think well for me I'll just, I'll be lucky if I like myself well today I do love myself and I am so grateful for that but um, and, and you know and Part of the reason why I didn't commit suicide was because I kept hearing, don't quit before the miracle happens. And to me, when I had that thought about how am I going to be effing happy, that was when the miracle happened. That's one of the times. And there's different times in my recovery. I I feel like miracles did happen. And that was one time because it just changed it completely, my world completely. And uh, anyway, so... um, having a wonderful life in recovery with uh, Diane. And then um, about seven years ago, Diane had a stroke. And um, it, um, it she recovered from the stroke wonderfully. But um, for the following year, she spent six months in the hospital, one month in the ICU, uh, three weeks on a ventilator, because she was having seizures and they couldn't get the seizures to stop. And eventually they got the seizures to stop and got her on some medication, but uh, she was never, you know, the person that I married, but she turned out to be a wonderful gift because I found out that uh, something that if I had known I was going to have to do, I would have thought, oh no, there's no way. But because it just happened over a period of time, I found out how much I enjoyed being of service to her, taking care of her. And uh, it gave me a purpose for living. And uh, anyways, but another part of it was that when Diane finally started getting back to, as much to her normal self as she could, uh, she, she said, I love you constantly to anybody and everybody. And uh, her, her friends would come over and say that they were coming over to get a dose of loving. And she would tell me constantly that she loved me. And uh, there was one time we were going to Florida, thank you, five minutes. And um, anyways, that, um, that, that we were, we had to wait until everybody else got off the plane before we could get off because she was handicapped. And there were over 100 people sitting behind us. And uh, she stood there in the aisle and just said, I love you to over 100 people as I went by. And it was just a wonderful thing to watch. Her say I love you and smile to these people, and some would say I love you back, and it was just wonderful. But uh, um, two years—it's coming up on two years that Diane passed away. She had another stroke, and um, you know um, I've remained absent. I—I've I've lost over eighty pounds, and I'm maintaining that. And uh, when Diane passed away. I I did what I had seen other people do. I stuck close to the program. I let people in the program support me. And I kept in constant contact. And uh, the group carried me through that and helped me do it abstinently. And uh, other things, you know, that I knew I was in for a world of hurt. And it has been very painful. It still is painful. But, you know, I knew my higher power had a plan. And I had to trust in that. So, um, and then also I knew that uh, when when I'm in pain, it's here we grow again. And so I knew I was going to be in for a growth period. That's the way I see my mom's death also was a period after that was growth, a growth period. And things I've come to appreciate over that was that Diane gave me heaven on earth. And uh, because, you know, it was just wonderful living with her. And she was always grateful. And that's another lesson I've learned is how important gratitude is, but also giving away the love and, you know, that she unconditionally loved everybody. um, And set a wonderful example for me. And then the heaven on earth that today I decided, you know, she, every day I get up and I, I look forward to her getting up and, and being of service to her. And, um, you know, since she has been gone, I've decided my job is to continue having heaven on earth every day. It's okay, what am I going to do to have a heaven on earth day today? And um, part of that's just because I feel like I owe it to her, but she was also full of joy. And so, you know, my goal is to be more Diane-like. And so I try to be full of joy, even though I'm usually in a much better better place than trying not to cry. So, uh, and then uh, the gratitude, and then also di- service-wise, Diane was, uh, she spent, she was a nurse, she was a drug and alcohol counselor. She, when she turned 50, she became a teacher of students that wanted to go into the medical field. And, you know, that and then she sponsored, she was in recovery, of course. And if she had lived uh, to uh, the, she she was 39 years sober when she passed away, and she sponsored a lot of girls. And you know, even a- after her stroke, she'd go to meetings. Uh, we had people from the program taking care of her, or helping me take care of her. And uh, they'd take her to meetings, and she'd tell newcomers that she loved them and that we had their back. she had their back for them, and just encouraged them to keep coming back and even in her uh, diminished state she still felt like it was important reaching out and, and being of service and um so i continued doing that sponsoring and just coming here and talking uh, that um uh, but also you know in talking about her it's it's my way of trying to keep her alive as well as uh just passing on the things that she taught me that uh, have really changed my life, you know, that in the past year, I've had miracles of, I I went to Scotland and England because people invited me that I've met through Zoom. And um, that, uh, you know, uh, my favorite saying now is why not? And if somebody asks me, it's like, why not? Yes, I'll do it. And uh, so I've been to Wisconsin, visited people there. I met, I'm out of time. Okay, thank you, Heidi. And uh, this morning I had my sponsee in Scotland call me and he was on top of a mountain in Scotland showing me the beautiful view. And I just thought, what a gift of the program to have this, things like that happen. And uh, I have a group of friends in Florida I go visit. Life is just beyond my wildest dreams. And I used to think that was such a hokey saying. And now today I'm living it. And I am truly grateful. And um, I love you all and have a great day.